Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Kelly from Zinimi, and today I'm joined with Autumn Whit Boyd from the AWB Law Firm. Thank you for joining us. I am excited to introduce you to our community. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Autumn specializes in working with online businesses, making them legally secure, I guess you could say. <laughs> Sometimes we say legally legit. There you go, legit. And the reason I invited Autumn on is because we're in this series of talking about passive income, and I think it's really important to address what it means to protect that idea and the different steps that people go through in terms of the legal side of their passive income. So... I thought we could chat about that today. You game for that, Autumn? Absolutely, yeah. We work with a lot of clients on setting up passive income streams, so I jotted down. I had all these ideas. As as <laughs> that, so glad to dig in. All right, so I think sometimes when people, you, you start your original business, and it's particularly with therapists, it's usually you know a therapy practice, providing therapy services, but then you know, we want to do other things like courses and eBooks and all of, all of that. And it can get a little murky. We really know therapy and the legalities of therapy, but when it comes to providing the other kinds of services, what are some things that you find are common across entrepreneurs and online business owners who are adding multiple streams of income? That is a big question. I know. Um, (laughs) There's going to be different things to think about with um, different streams. So, but I would say one overriding thing to think about is as you're moving from a one-on-one service where you're providing, you know, counseling services that you're licensed by your state and mm-hmm. you've got all these rules and regulations, as you're moving to these passive income products, those are probably not going to fall under your, you know, right. licensed services. So you want to make sure you're really clear with any product or, you know, group program or retreat or Um, online course that you have lots of disclaimers that make it very clear, you know, this is not a professional counseling service or, um, you know, I am licensed in whatever state, but this is separate and different from that. You know, maybe this is only for information purposes or, you know, um, if you need counseling services, you should consult with a licensed practitioner. You know, there's lots of different ways you can phrase it, but just thinking about that, letting people know that if they're coming to this product for that, you know, they're in the wrong place. And that, mm-hmm. that, that gives you, you know, it's never a bulletproof protection, but it will give you some protection if someone does, you know, rely on something that's in a course and they take an action that they later regret or has a bad outcome and mm-hmm. they try to come after you and say, you know, mm-hmm. see your malpractice, which is not what you want and is probably not covered by your malpractice policy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Then I have a question. Right? I, I know that opened a lot of doors. <laughs> Do you, okay. I've heard differing views on this. Do you feel that then if you create other streams of income, it should be under a different kind of business for the protection. Yeah, we are going through the same thing with my law firm right now because we have digital products. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to depend on your ethical rules and your, you know, like professional rules. Um, In the legal industry, I can tell you, like, it's fine for me to offer what what we call information products. So they're Mm -hmm. not legal services. I can do that through my company but I can't share revenue from legal services with anyone else. So it's kind of like if it's under the same roof, now I may be subjecting something to inquiry that wouldn't otherwise 
be, you know, if someone files an ethics complaint against me, now I've opened the door because it's under the same roof. And maybe if I separated it, I wouldn't be open to that scrutiny. Um, but it's going to be case by case. You're going to have to look at your state's rules. And yeah. uh, at least with lawyers, like I learned recently, we can get an informal ethics opinion. Mm -hmm. So before I have to make this decision, I can go to our yes. ethical board and say, basically, here's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? And kind of like, give me the okay, or maybe we should do it a different way. Yeah. So that might be something that's available to therapists as well. Often it is. I think therapists, they all, we all answer to a board of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, and even the attorneys under those boards will have differing opinions. So you can right. consult a few and then do your best. Yeah. And I think that also, you just brought up another point. So when people have courses, they may do affiliates and sometimes that's not going to work under right. the, under the clinical license because we really the same. You're not allowed to split your fees. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, the way we do referrals and things like that. So it really, I love what you're saying is that it depends. And I wish yeah. I wish there were a black and white answer. I wish it were black and white and I wish it were federal, <laughs> to mm -hmm. be honest, but yeah. it's not. And every state is different. different. And, and so that's why it's important to have an attorney who can do the research with you and help you understand and make a really good decision. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, this is not, um, I mean, it is something that's different in every state and you have to look at it, but it's not a hard question to answer. Yeah. It's not something that would take more than a couple hours of an attorney's time to kind of figure out. Yeah. That's the good news. So disclaimers that any other passive income is not a therapeutic relationship. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's kind of an overriding thing to think about with any kind yes. of passive income stream. Uh, confidentiality is something else to think about with all of these mm. products. If you do have any back and forth, um, especially if maybe you've got a course that has a group discussion forum or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, letting people know this is not a doctor-patient or therapist-patient relationship. There's no expectation of privacy mm -hmm. if they're posting in a forum or if they're, you know, yeah. participating in group calls or, you know, if you do a retreat with multiple people in a room. Yeah. Um, now, you can kind of put some boundaries around that and ask people to keep other people's things secret and, <clears throat> you know, respect one another's privacy. But as far as from a legal you know, you never want to be telling someone that they have like the, the privilege that a doctor patient relationship would have. Yeah. So making that clear again on the front end, mm -hmm. just a lot of this is just setting expectations and kind of uh -huh. people know what they're getting into. Yeah. I think that that's a great reframe for those of us who like, when we read the legal stuff, it doesn't feel like the frame. It feels like, ah, I don't know what this all means. And so yeah. If you can just see it as another way to set boundaries and be really clear with people, which is better for the person who's purchasing from you. Yeah, it's um, good for everybody. Yeah, know, it is. Know what kind of what the relationship is on the front end. Yeah, and it helps you think through what am I doing and what is the purpose here and what is it really intended to do. Um, it helps you as the creator get get clear um, mm -hmm. on some things that sometimes we don't think about when we're creating other streams of income. We're just yeah. like excited and creating, but we want to really understand the boundaries and the purpose behind. All yeah, absolutely. And what this is all meant to avoid is, you know, an unpleasant surprise later where someone thought they were getting X, Y, Z and they end up with something totally different. Right. All right. So how does it vary for each stream of income? Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So thinking about courses, especially when I'm thinking about a course, I'm thinking of maybe a series of videos and worksheets. Like that's what I typically think of as a course, or maybe you do some live teaching. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you know, it's usually maybe a set of modules and you're teaching a particular thing. Um, and there might be some interactive elements. Um, 
But usually with that, what we recommend is that, again, I should give my standard disclaimer. This is not legal advice. This, this no. is information only. <laughs> yeah. um, but what we usually do with our own clients when they are working on a course is we set up what's called terms of use. And so mm -hmm. this is kind of like the contract between the people who purchase your course and you. Um, and it just outlines, again, it's setting expectations. It says, what are they going to get? You know, is it eight modules, a video and a workbook and three group calls or whatever, you know, whatever you're providing, you just want to make it really clear. Um, you'd want to include payment terms. So when are the payments owed? Is it, do you take a payment plan or is it all up front? Things like refund policies. Um, those can all get really tricky if it's not laid out really clearly. So again, just something you want to make it really clear on the front end, what people are getting, what they're agreeing to do. You'd also want to include some of those things like disclaimers that this is not a, a therapist relationship um, and also around confidentiality, um, especially if there is a group element, you know, keeping other people's um, information private, but that there is no doctor patient relationship. Um, and then if someone wants to quit, how does that look um, mm -hmm. kind of tied into the refund program? Do they get any money back or is it no refunds at all? Um, mm -hmm. You know, if they decide it's not a good fit, is it fine? Mm hmm. All of that um, just kind of and that I think like you said helps people think through at the front end like how everything is really going to be set up and I think until people sit down and actually write it all out you may not have thought about all of these things correct yeah yeah, yeah. it's just like our other legal documents in practice I mean when we create a therapeutic relationship we're going over kind of the same thing like what are the terms and conditions yeah we call it informed consent but it's something you have to think through what how do I handle sick calls? How do yes. I handle if I go on vacation? Cancellations. I, yeah. All those things, you know, so it really helps kind of set the foundation for your business structure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then also you want to deal with what we'll talk about more in a minute, which is your intellectual property. So you're creating these courses. Mm -hmm. This is your ideas and you're either creating videos or worksheets or, you know, all the different things you might be creating. That is your intellectual property. Um, copyrights and trademarks. So you want to kind of tell people how they're allowed to use it. Are they allowed to share the worksheets with a friend if they think it would be helpful or is it just for their use? You know, can they create their own course on the same topic or is that not allowed? I mean, there's all, you have to kind of go through and I, I'm never like a really negative person. I hate to talk about all the like fear scenarios, mm -hmm. um, but that is what I deal with all day, every day. So, <laughs> uh -huh. It is worth thinking through, like, what are the worst things that could happen? Like, what would just absolutely devastate you? Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of, again, put, put some guardrails in your agreement about that. Awesome. Let's talk about what is intellectual property for okay. a second. <laughs> so my background is copyrights and trademarks. So that's the part of this business that, I, that really lights me up. Um, copyrights, and this is all under U.S. law. So under U.S. law, a copyright is going to protect any kind of creative work. So think about like a photograph or a drawing, a graphic, um, it could be a movie, uh, music, sculpture. It's often artistic, but not always. Um, and it also includes things like worksheets or like if you have a manual that you use in your business. So it could be things that we don't think of that's like super creative, but um, you know, they're useful. They're more than a couple of lines or a couple of words. You know, it has to be enough that it would be considered a work. It has to be long enough. Mm -hmm. um, but it could be something as short as a poem. So, you know, there's not real hard and fast rules on what is considered a copyrightable work. 
Mm -hmm. okay. And under our U.S. law, when you create a work, it is automatically protected by copyright. So it's like as soon as it's out of your brain and onto a piece of paper or into a computer file, congratulations, you now own a copyright in that work. Mm -hmm. um, but the downside is you can't actually enforce your rights, so you can't sue someone until it's registered with the U.S. Copyright Office. Mm. So you don't have to register, but if you want to actually, you know, go after people and protect those rights, you do have to register. So that's so, going to be one side of it. So okay. stop and ask me all your questions about copyright. Okay. So what kinds of things would you copyright? So with a course, it's going to be all your, I, I do a lot of, um, copyright registrations for courses and we can since it's sold as a unit we can bundle it all together nice. so it's going to be like all your videos if you have audio files if you have a worksheet or workbooks um usually the interactive parts are not really copyrightable but any kind of tools or things that you're sending to your students those are all going to be copyrightable and we can kind of bundle them up and send them all together to the copyright office usually in a giant file or a hard drive because it's usually a lot of this, stuff. This is why you get someone to do it for you. Yeah. Uh -uh. <laughs> it, is a, it is a little tricky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, also your website probably has a lot of copyrightable elements, your photos, your blog posts, um, all of your copy graphics. Um, you can't protect like the look and feel of your website, but um, you know, if you've got a logo that's got a graphic element, that's probably copyrightable. So there's lots, lots of stuff. If you've written a book, that is certainly copyrightable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's copyrights and then yes. there's, that's one side. And then there's trademarks, which are similar, but a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, so a trademark is going to be something that identifies your company or your products. So we often think about like the company name or a slogan, like think of Nike is a trademark and then just do it is also a trademark because you mm -hmm. think of Nike when you think of just do it. Mm -hmm. And then that little swoosh symbol is also a trademark. Cause again, if you see a shoe, you see that little swoosh, you know, it's Nike. Mm -hmm. So we think about just anything that kind of tells people where something came from. So we talk about like Coca-Cola a lot too. Same thing like that logo with the swirly font is very um, easily recognizable. And even the shape of the bottle is trademarked mm. because that's something like you see it on the shelf and you identify. Yeah. Even colors and sounds can be trademarks. So it mm. is really broad type of thing, but usually in online business, we're thinking of like company names, program or course names are mm -hmm. usually trademarked, um, slogans, logos, those kinds of things. There is a little bit of crossover. So like Mickey yeah. Mouse, Mickey Mouse is my favorite example um, because it is like, it's a drawing. So it is copyrighted, but it also, um, you know, when you see that, you think of the Disney company. So it is also a trademark. So there, there's both. some crossover. Yeah. Again, why are you ask an attorney? Yes. <laughs> hmm. So as you're thinking about protecting an online course or a digital product, you know, you might think of the course name or the digital product name. Um, book titles are in a weird um, category all by themselves. You can only trademark or you can only register the trademark to a series of books. You can't register the trademark to a single book. Interesting. So like the Harry Potter series. Exactly. Yeah. Or like um, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Like, there, you know, there's all kinds of books yeah. on that label. Huh. <coughs> Things you know. I'm learning. No, it's okay. Yes. So, so you probably have lots of copyrights and trademarks in your business that you've never thought about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I will say, so kind of similar to copyright, but a little bit different. 
Um, copyright is all federal, so that's all, it's all U.S. law, so it's the same in all 50 states. Mm -hmm. um, and trademark exists on two levels. So there are U.S. trademarks that are registered with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, so that's federal, same in all 50 states. But then each state also has what we call common law trademarks. So this is an automatic right that you get just by using a trademark in your business, mm -hmm. but it's only going to extend like where you're actually using it. So say you have a practice in California, it's only going to extend to, you know, California. And if I try to start a practice with the same name in Tennessee, you can't come after me because yeah. it's a it's, state right. It's common. Like <laughs> I've seen this often in practices where very similar names like Thrive Counseling yeah. or empathy counseling or whatever and you can see like 30 of them listed but right. this is why you're able to do that yeah yeah exactly but if somebody did register it federally then they would be able to stop people nationwide yes oh geez so okay. yeah so you have some automatic trademark rights as well without registering and then if you want you know nationwide protection and a lot more rights you would want to look at registering with the USPTO so when in the process of creating your other streams of income, does the legal stuff start? Yeah. So I would say the terms of use. So your contract with your purchaser, you want to do that right away. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, that's something you can take a stab at drafting yourself. Lawyers like me have templates that you can buy for not a lot of money that they're kind mm -hmm. of fill in the blank, mm -hmm. um, customizable, but you're not actually working with an attorney. So it's pretty affordable. Um, so I definitely do that. That's a first step for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of this registering your IP, I would wait and see, make sure that people like what you're selling and that you're actually making money from it, um, that they like the title, that they like the content, because with both copyrights and trademarks, whatever you register, it's kind of um, sealed in stone. So if later you want to change the name, guess what? Now you have to register the new trademark or mm. same thing. If you're changing a lot of the content, you know, now you've got to go register all the new content. So, so I usually... Yeah, I usually say, you know, don't do it right away necessarily. Um, you know, make sure it's really working and people like it and you're, you're going to stick with it for a little bit before you go to all that trouble. What are some other common legal protections that might be missed? So we have terms of use, the contract. We have copyright and trademarking. Is there anything else in terms that overall people need to think about? Yeah, I would say the other big thing is your website protections. Um, and this is required by law in California. But since most of us are selling products, if we're online, we're selling them in all 50 states. So we probably have a customer or two in California. Mm -hmm. um, and that is your website privacy policy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people miss this and don't realize that it is actually required. But that's that thing you see in the footer on other people's website. And you probably wondered why they have it. Well, that's why it's required. So mm -hmm. that's anytime you're handling someone else's personal information. And this is different than HIPAA. This is just like if you um, have an email list and mm -hmm. someone sends you their name and email to put mm -hmm. on your list that now you need a privacy policy or mm -hmm. if you have a contact us form mm -hmm. um, or if, if you're selling things and you're collecting, you know, name and address and credit card number, you definitely need one. Yeah. So, and especially important, you may have heard about the new EU regulations. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people are selling to EU residents, but um, mm -hmm. it is an even higher burden. Um, with the privacy policy. And there's lots of new requirements that just went into effect this year. Yeah, I think um, one of the things we teach in our boot camp <laughs> is, you know, you need your terms of use, your privacy policy for the website mm -hmm. and 
yeah, terms and conditions. Yeah. And then the GDPR stuff, it really, if it's just a practice that's local and they're yeah, capturing you don't have to worry email, about you don't. But it, once you start selling online, once you start putting things out there and marketing them, that you never know who you're going to get. You never know. And so that just opens up again, like you said, a higher standard. And I find using like the templates, like you're talking about, like you have are, <laughs> they just give you a little peace of mind yes. to think through. And it also changes, of course, how you capture those emails and the mm-hmm. language you use and things like that. So I think it's really good to make sure you understand what you're getting into and that not to freak out, but just to know that you're doing it well. And it's just a few simple tweaks I've found in terms of how you- Everyone kind of flipped out and thought it was going to be the end of the world. But for most online businesses, like the ones we're talking about, you know, we're not Microsoft or Facebook. Like it's, it's really not that big of a change. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the templates that you offer at your site? We have a whole list and we're having, I don't know when this episode will air, but we're having a Black Friday sale. So oh. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you mention that. Um, we have everything from like a client services agreement. So this would be more for a consultant, not necessarily a therapist mm-hmm. um, or like a, if you're doing coaching or something yeah. that's separate from the therapist relationship. Um, we have things for graphic designers and web designers. If, if you're having an event, we have a waiver and release so that's something we might talk about in a minute, what you might mm-hmm. want to do if you're doing a live event with people coming. Um, we have those website documents, so the terms and conditions, the privacy policy, um, and the terms of use for digital mm-hmm. products. Um, we also do have an affiliate program or referral program template. So that's one we've been doing a lot of lately. Mm-hmm. So that's just true. setting out like, how are you going to pay people? And you know, what happens if somebody clicks on several people's different links? Like who gets the affiliate? Mission. I will be purchasing. <laughs> I have mine, but I just, I would like yeah. to cobble together. I would like a refresh yeah. <laughs> on that. For, yeah. Well, yeah. And I would say the other thing is, and this is like, everyone hates doing this, but you should really probably be looking at your contracts once a year. Oh yes. And mm-hmm. just giving them a once over, make sure they actually are how you're still doing business. Cause I think a lot of us just set it and forget it. And then we change things, but we never go change the contract. I am totally guilty of this myself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's on one of our checklists, you know, oh, of, good. you look at all of your legal documents once a year, like your yeah. informed consent with yes. the therapeutic stuff and the non-therapeutic stuff, because yeah, things change. Yeah. You know, Maybe and you used to allow rescheduling and now you've changed. Yeah. Now that became a problem or you had a nightmare client or you just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and events. You want to talk a little bit about events yeah. since I do events and I know like, yeah, you gotta, there's things to think about. It's not just having a party. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is having a party, but <laughs> I mean, things to think about. So if someone, you know, let's think worst case scenario. So someone comes to your event and either they just fall and hurt themselves or they're doing maybe some physical activity and hurt themselves, or they just have a little more, a little too much wine one night and hurt themselves. Um, but you want to make sure that it's clear that like they're responsible for their own actions. And unless you have, you know, put something in their way that was a, a, a threat, you know, they should not be allowed to sue you for that. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what we call a release. Um, you also can put lots of different things in there. Like if they lose something, it's not your problem. Or if, um, if you ask them to comply with rules and they don't like you can kick them out if someone becomes unruly. Um, and Mm -hmm. same as what we were talking about the terms of use, like, what are you providing? 
Um, what are your payment terms? Do you give refunds? If someone, you know, has a change in schedule a week beforehand, will you refund their money or is it, you know, is it just a one time? Can they transfer the ticket to a friend? Um, all these things I'm sure if you've done events, you've had these questions come up. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> so that, that's kind of one thing to think about. And then the other thing I like to include is what we call a model release. So this means if you're doing a, a retreat or an event and maybe you bring in a photographer to take some beautiful pictures so you can use it to market the next one um, and you're capturing people's pictures, you can't use someone's image in a commercial way like to promote your business without their permission. So I always just throw that in there. They can opt out if they want to. Most people don't mind. But if you do have one person who really doesn't and then you can just you know say, hey, can you stand over here when we're taking pictures so I don't get you in any of my pictures? I'd um, like to opt out of some of mine. <laughs> I don't want my picture taken right now. That's hilarious. I'm having a bad hair day. (laughs) So So just, yeah, thinking through that, um, you know, if you are wanting to capture video or photo, just making sure that people know that that's going to happen. Again, setting expectations um, and getting their consent so that if there are any questions later, you don't have to go back to people and try and hunt them down. You've just already got it. Why do you love this stuff so much? Tell me, I, I, well, what I just love is when I'm talking to you, no one is going to be able to see you, but you light up like you're very excited. And I, I love that there are people that support my business that love what they do. You know what I mean? Like, that's really important. So why do you love this kind of work? You could have done any kind of law. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I mean, 98% of what I do all day is just talking to people and help them solve puzzles. Yeah, that's what I think a lot of and even writing a contract like it's like a big puzzle. It's just trying to figure out like, what are you trying to accomplish? How can I make sure that you're, you know, protected enough, but not, you don't have so much onerous stuff in there that other people are going to be turned off by it. Like it's always kind of a balancing act. So I don't know. I just think it's fun. And I think it's great to have puzzled fixers in your life. (laughs) You know? I mean, why do you love therapy, Kelly? (laughs) I get to talk to people. (laughs) And it is a a puzzle in its own way, right? Yeah, it's the same. It's just an an emotional puzzle. Mm -hmm. And um, that, it is fun to like to discover and make connection. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. there's always, there's never, you know, two businesses can look very similar from the outside, but there's always little little differences that kind of throw a little curveball and keep you jumping. Which is why I think, again, when I see a lot of therapists post, can I just borrow this from you? (laughs) Or can I, what do you have? Can I just use it? I get it. But at the same time, you're really not taking into consideration what is unique about, Mm -hmm. yeah, what is unique about what you're creating. And so that's why it's important to have someone that understands the legal piece on your team. You yeah. Know? And the templates are a good first step, but I will say like when you reach a certain level in your business, maybe you're making six figures or more from these side products, you know, it is time to meet with a lawyer and get a little more one-on-one advice. Um, yeah have a consultation and make sure that what you are thinking when you're filling in the blanks or borrowing someone else's document, that it really does make sense because when there's a little bit more at risk, you've got, you know, more on the table that you don't want to lose, then you need to put a little bit stronger protections. Yes. Well, is there any last words of wisdom that you want to give to therapists who are starting passive income or other streams of income? I hate passive. It's not passive. It's never know passive. Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, digital products or <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what do you want them to know about the legal side? Yeah, well, I think it doesn't have to be as scary as you think. Um, and your contracts and things don't have to have a bunch of words that you don't understand. Like the best contract is one you can read and you can explain to the person you're asking to sign it. I love um, but the other thing that we mentioned when we were talking before we hit record was people who have a model or oh, like yeah. a method. So I just wanted to hit on that. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of this. A lot of my clients have these as well. You know, it's maybe an eight step process or, you know, something that they use over and over in their business or their practice. Um, so the thing I would just say to know is that it's hard to protect those if it's just an idea, like you can't protect just an idea under our intellectual property laws because ideas are a dime a dozen. Um, what you can protect under the US copyright law is the way you express the idea. So that means if you write a book or if you have you know, worksheets that help people work through your method, you can protect those. So anything that's written or that, um, you know, a video of you explaining the method, you know, those kinds of things are protected but you can't prevent someone else from having their own eight step method to accomplish the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that is where we do see a lot of um, kind of arguments and copycatting and it, it can be tricky for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where, you know, you just have to do your best to create a really strong brand around your method. You know, where choosing a strong trademark is important and protecting that and then locking down, you know, any of your really key components of that method with copyright. Thank you for bringing that back up. Of course, I'm forgetful. Okay. And, well, I wrote, I wrote, I, I wrote things. <laughs> I have mom brain. I can't remember anything. <laughs> Neither can I. I, I find a, this is something that feels a little unique to our industry um, in that there are therapists who are doing research, who are testing different kind of interventions in certain kind of meth methodologies and kind of, creating some of their own and they're wanting to train other therapists in this. And, um, I, I think this is, I think it's important for the advancement of our field that we continue to develop new methods and new types of intervention. And it's made possible by people like you who can, um, help communicate that very clearly and ethically, um, I think it's important. So for anyone that is listening, you that can monetize them. Yes. Like you can set up a training program or a certification program and um, it can be very profitable. So that's a great thing to consider if you, you know, tested and systematized something. Yeah. I, I think it's a huge contribution to the work of psychotherapy. And so if anyone is listening, my words to you are start, documenting, start writing, start making connections, start testing, start tracking outcomes and mm -hmm. things like that. So that when it all comes together and when you are ready, you can go to someone like Autumn and say, this is the method. This is how it works. This is how I could teach it. And then they could help you make sure that, that that's protected. And so that we can continue to spread that kind of knowledge amongst our community and it makes for better outcomes I think too when we yeah absolutely sort of been tested so I love With that good evidence I like evidence I do too yes yes thank you so some much for reminding maybe, me I, I'll just say I don't do patent work but some methods are patentable hmm. and I'm not going to get into that but if you yes <laughs> if you do have kind of a process that may be patentable so yeah you know if you get to that point it's definitely worth talking to someone who knows that piece of it as well okay well, we don't have to go there. <laughs> <laughs> not go there today.
it just gets into minutia, doesn't it, of how yes. specialized the law can be. Yeah. So if people want to check out your stuff, where can they find you? Yeah, everything's on the website, which is just my initials. It's awbfirm.com. You can find our contract templates there. I have a bunch of videos. I have my own podcast. So if you like podcasts and you want to learn more about intellectual property, check out the Legal Roadmap podcast. Oh, I love that. I will go do that. You guys, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Autumn's a beautiful human. I'm sure you can tell that. And she has a heart for this work and lots of tools that can help you. So check her out. And if you have questions, post in the blog, post on our Facebook, wherever you can find us. And um, we'll make sure to get them to Autumn. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.